This podcast is brought to you by Anchor.fm, an easy and free way to get your podcast journey started. Whether you have been recording for years or you're looking for a place to start, Anchor FM is the way to go to get your podcast on all platforms. Click the link in the bio to get started. Top of the morning, 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 top of the morning. Hold on. Welcome back to Top of the Morning, where we talk about sports and a whole lot more. I am Cameron, your host. This past weekend, we saw a great display of college football as week three has come to an end. I am very excited to talk about the games that took place this past weekend. Before we dive into that, the NFL made a pretty big announcement this morning. As they announced, the NFL Pro Bowl will be no longer. They have now replaced it with a week-long skills competition in a flag football game. The NFL Pro Bowl has been under some heat the past few years as fans have been complaining about it not being as competitive as they would like it to be. I understand that as these NFL players, they might be in contract years. They are flying to play this game and, you know, it's an all-star game. You're not trying to knock everybody out. You're not going 100%. So I totally understand the fans, but I'm going to be honest, I didn't expect the NFL to completely abolish the Pro Bowl as a whole and replace it with this. So Basically, it kind of was a flag football game. They wore pads. They Everybody stood up. They just thudded the whole time. I get it. I'll be surprised to see how many viewers they get this year in the week-long skills competition and what will happen with this flag football game. So typically, the AFC and the NFC each field a team, and they go and, you know, they get Pro Bowl votes, and they go and play this game, and, you know, it's just a fun recreational pickup game, essentially. Now, to replace it with the flag football game, Lyman, I'm sure, will still get votes to be in the Pro Bowl skills competition. But for the flag football game, I'm pretty sure that they won't be involved. Flag football typically is 7-on-7 or 8-on-8. So I won't be surprised if you start seeing Lyman decline Pro Bowl invitations or even skills play decline Pro Bowl invitations. Because it's one thing when you go to the Pro Bowl and, you know, you're actually playing football. You know, you're fielding 11 sides when each time. you got your special teams and all. But... If it was me and I'm in the NFL and they say, hey, you can go to a Pro Bowl, I don't know if I would risk injury over a flag football game and not an actual football game. So I'd be surprised to see what happens with this NFL Pro Bowl as time goes on. This is going to be the first inaugural year, of course, that they're doing this skills competition. So after the Super Bowl, we'll definitely see how that pans out and how everything turns out. Two other things that I wanted to touch on before we got into the week three of the college football season. Brett Favre under a lot of heat. Has not got as much coverage as I would expect it. I'm surprised it hasn't gotten as much coverage because it's a big deal. Brett Favre accused of allegedly stealing money from the Mississippi government to build a new volleyball arena for Southern Miss. So Southern Miss was where Brett Favre went to college and played football. His daughter recently graduated from Southern Miss where she played volleyball. He was told by the government that doing this could be illegal and he could you know, get caught. But he still pursued it anyway. Some of the funds came from a organization called TANF, or Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. So he basically took this money from people who actually needed it, people who were trying to put food on the table for their families, for their kids, and trying to stay afloat. And he took that money and tried to put it toward a new volleyball stadium, which even if it wasn't illegal, your morals are way out of whack if you're doing that. Favre's quoted asking then-Governor Phil Bryant, Quote, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? It was $5 million granted towards the facility, towards the new volleyball arena, and $1.1 million granted towards Favre's personal family. And that wasn't enough for Favre. So he tried to get more, and now he's under a lot of heat. So 
Still, a lot of investigations going on. Has been no final answer with what they're going to do with Favre, but that's definitely something that I'm going to keep track of and something that y'all should probably keep track of too. Secondly, Boston Celtics coach Ime Udoka was suspended for the entire 2022 and 23 season after an alleged affair with a Celtics staffer. Uh, the Celtics staffer was responsible for organizing travel for Udoka and actually organized travel for Udoka's fiance Nia Long. So Nia Long knew her. They all knew each other. Obviously, I'm sure Nia Long didn't know that they were sleeping together, but it was a consensual relationship. Uh, but this does go against the team rules, um, team policy of the Boston Celtics. An independent law firm conducted an investigation into Udoka and this staffer after a, quote, potential situation. So they noticed something weird over the summer. And so they ended up doing an investigation about it. Udoka is the only one that is going to be penalized, at least for now. They said that there is no other person that will be penalized. So he is going to be the only one suspended. No penalty for the Celtics staffer. It took them about a month to come to this conclusion. The Celtics owner, Wick Grusbeck, said in the investigation lasted about a month, so they took their time with this decision. And Udoka's suspension will end June 30th. So Joe Mazzulla will be the interim head coach for Udoka while he serves his suspension. So those are just a couple updates. Now to dive into week three of the college football season. We saw a lot of good things in college football this past weekend. When number five Clemson traveled to take on number 21 Wake Forest in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, that game went into double overtime. Clemson edged it out by a score of 51 to 45. We saw a lot of things in this Clemson and Wake Forest game. Wake Forest, their mesh offense where they wait a long time before they decide whether they're going to run or pass gave Clemson's secondary a lot of problems. Sam Hartman, Wake Forest quarterback, threw for six touchdowns on 20 of 29 passing and 337 yards with no interceptions. However, the last pass of the game would have been an interception if Clemson's defensive back wouldn't have drafted. But other than that, Sam Hartman played a perfect game. QBR was 91.4. They ran the ball really well. And we saw a lot of good things from Wake Forest receivers as well, especially Jamal Banks, who went for 141 yards and two touchdowns. Clemson played an immaculate game on offense as well. DJ Uwe Ungalele threw for five touchdowns on 371 yards. Will Shipley, the sophomore running back, ran for 104 yards and one touchdown with a long of 53 yards. You saw a lot of good things in this game. It was a very exciting game and a great game to start off the college football Saturday. A big game is number six, Oklahoma, lost to the unranked Kansas State Wildcats in Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel, 330 yards and four touchdowns, while Kansas State quarterback Adrian Martinez threw for 234 and one touchdown. Adrian Martinez also was the leading rusher in this game with 148 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. If you remember Kansas State beat Oklahoma a couple years back when Jalen Hurst was a starting quarterback, Kansas State seems to give Oklahoma a lot of problems every time they play them, which is pretty surprising. But it goes to show that Kansas State can play up to their competition or down to their competition depending on who they're going up against. Number 23, Texas A&M going against number 10, Arkansas. Texas A&M wins that game by a score of 23-21. to they definitely needed this win this week because they lost to Appalachian State last week, who was unranked. So winning this game does a lot for them. Arkansas missed the game-winning field goal to lose this game by two points. Tennessee and Florida was another top 25 matchup. Tennessee ended up winning this game by a score of 38-33. to We saw both quarterbacks play really well in this game. Hendon Hooker, 22 of 28, 349 yards and two touchdowns, while Anthony Richardson, 24 of 44, 453 yards, two touchdowns, and the game-ending interception in the fourth quarter. Anthony Richardson, also the leading rusher for the Florida Gators, at 62 yards and two touchdowns. 
as well as Hendon Hooker, also led his team in rush yards with 112 yards and a touchdown. The top 25 matchups this weekend were really, really good. There was also a really big game against unranked opponents and two teams that are fairly new to the Sunbelt Conference. That would be the matchup of Appalachian State versus James Madison University. This is James Madison's first year in the FBS in the Sunbelt Conference before they were Division I AA in the FCS Conference. Appalachian State was their first test this year, and Appalachian State coming off of a win last week against Texas A&M. They were on their high horse. They were playing in Boone, North Carolina. James Madison traveling to unfamiliar territory for their first big test, and James Madison ended up winning that game. Appalachian State was up by a score of 28-3 at one point during the game. 28-10 at halftime, and James Madison held Appalachian State scoreless for the entire second half to extend their winning streak 3-0. We saw some really, really good football on display this game. James Madison held Appalachian State starting running back Cameron Peoples to 9 yards and a touchdown. James Madison has not allowed a 100-yard rusher since being in the FBS. It's only been three games, but James Madison has proved that they are for real in this game against App State. Chase Bryce, the Clemson transfer for Appalachian State, threw for 235 yards and two touchdowns and one interception. James Madison's quarterback, Todd Santillo, threw for 204 yards and two touchdowns, while the leading rusher was Kalen Black with 85 yards and one touchdown. This was definitely the game of the weekend, if you ask me. James Madison fought through every single piece of adversity that they had. They showed that they had a lot of grit, a lot of adversity to be able to win this game in Boone, North Carolina. If you've ever been to Boone and seen Appalachian State play, you know it's a hostile environment. You know it's hard to win there. Even though they are fairly new to the FBS, they are still a really good team and a really hostile environment to win in. Number one, Georgia took on Kent State. Kent State did give Georgia some problems early on, but Georgia was able to end up winning that game by a score of 39-22. Sophomore tight end, Brock Bowers for Georgia, is him. He had two carries for 77 yards and two touchdowns as a tight end and also five catches for 60 yards. He displayed a lot of why he's a starting tight end and why he should be playing on Sundays. Next year, he'll be a junior, and he'll be eligible for the NFL draft. If he does enter the draft next year, I'd definitely see him as a day two pick. If he stays four years, he might even be a day one pick. Devontae Walker for Kent State was a leading receiver for them, seven catches and 106 yards with one touchdown. Alabama, the number two team in the nation, took on Vanderbilt in Bryant-Denny Stadium. They won by a score of 55-3. to Bryce Young had 385 yards and four touchdowns. And number three, Ohio State took on Wisconsin in the blackout in the shoe, winning by a score of 52 to 21. C.J. Stroud doing what C.J. Stroud does, 17 to 27 for 281 yards, five touchdowns. Did throw his first interception of the season as they were trying to go down at the end of the first half and score a touchdown. Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, both over 100 yards combined for 122 yards and two touchdowns by Mayan Williams. Emeka Ugbuka. Six catches, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. He is playing in the place of Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is still out with injury, lingering hamstring injury that he suffered week one against Notre Dame. Hopefully he'll be back, if not next week, the week after. But in his absence, Ohio State receivers definitely putting on a show. Number four, Michigan took on Maryland. They won by a score of 34-27. to McCarthy for Michigan had 220 yards and two touchdowns. Blake Corm, the running back for Michigan, set a record that was previously held by Denard Robinson for rushing yards in the game. 243 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. He had a great game, great game on the ground. NC State jumps into the top 10 this week as they beat UConn this past weekend by a score of 41-10. Devin Leary, 320 yards and four touchdowns. First play of the game, NC State, Devin Leary 
connected with Thayer Thomas for a 75-yard touchdown strike. Thayer Thomas ended up leading the NC State receivers with 115 yards and one touchdown. NC State will take on Clemson next week at Clemson at 7.30 p.m., a game to watch for sure. NC State and Clemson have been great games for years prior. NC State with this current team, I think, has the best chance to beat Clemson, especially with Clemson's secondary struggling as much as they did with Wake Forest. Devin Leary, a little bit of a better quarterback than Sam Hartman, if you ask me, and receiving core for NC State has a little bit of an edge from Wake Forest. If Clemson's secondary can fix all the pieces and really come together and find out what the problem is and not allow the big plays like they did against Wake Forest, I think they'll end up beating NC State. It'll be a good back-to-back test for Clemson since they are trying to get into that four spot to make it to the college football playoffs at the end of the season. A big upset in Miami this past weekend. Middle Tennessee beat Miami by a score of 45-31. Miami was ranked number 25 in the nation. They will drop out of the rankings this upcoming week. Middle Tennessee quarterback Chase Cunningham threw for 408 yards and three touchdowns, while Miami's quarterbacks both struggled. Jake Garcia led all passers with 169 yards, and Tyler Van Dyke threw for 138 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Miami didn't do much in a running game as well. Their leading rusher was Henry Parrish Jr., only had 57 yards, while Minnesota Tennessee did a lot of good things on the ground. 99 yards total as a team. Frank Peasant was their leading rusher with 74 yards and a touchdown. DJ England Chisholm for Middle Tennessee. Only had two catches, but had 169 yards and also two touchdowns. He had that long 98-yard touchdown when Cunningham was deep in his end zone, found him deep, and he did the rest. A lot of games to look forward to this upcoming weekend as well. We have a few top 25 matchups. First, number 7 Kentucky and number 14 Ole Miss are going to battle it out at noon on Saturday in Mississippi. Alabama is taking on Arkansas in Arkansas at 3.30. Number 22 Wake Forest is traveling to Tallahassee, Florida to take on Florida State at 3.30 on ABC. Of course, number 10 NC State and number 5 Clemson will go head-to-head at 7.30 p.m. on ABC in Clemson, South Carolina. A good slate of college football games this weekend as well. I look forward to watching them and giving you updates next week. On the next episode of Top in the Morning, we will go a little bit away from sports and into the more category. Tune into that conversation as I think it will be something for everybody to hear. And I also will welcome a lot of questions and feedback from that episode as well. Until next time, this is Cameron, your host. Thank you for tuning in. Top of the morning. 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 Hold on.